It's the final word presented by the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you, giving my final thoughts and tidbits and a prediction on South Carolina's suddenly titanic matchup with Florida noon on Saturday at Williams-Brice Stadium Television from ESPN. Gamecocks and the Gators, this game normally is played in November, but for some reason this year with all the scheduling shuffling around the league and it it looks like there's probably no end in sight to that you know it's in mid-october and and really i think it's coming at a pretty good time you know i think there's a lot of talk about well how can south carolina handle their win over georgia uh you know florida hadn't had an open date all week all year i think they're this is their eighth straight football game. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I, I think that, you know, in spite of what happened in Athens this past weekend, um, which is in the past now, I, I think where it falls on the schedule actually favors the Gamecocks. I thought, you know, heading into this season, the, the tough part about the Carolina schedule wasn't so much the team's. And I think that that's kind of coming to fruition. Florida's an exception, and I'll get to that a little later in, in terms of kind of what I thought. But uh, it's kind of where everything's at. You know, you go to Missouri right after you play Bama. Um, you've got Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. Two of those three are on the road in the month of October. Uh, Vanderbilt, then Appalachian State is your non-conference game in November. It's normally a Southern Conference team or you know, like last year, Akron was played in December. Chattanooga was played in November. Um, you know, it's just kind of how everything mashes up. You got to go to Texas A&M before you play Clemson. Uh, Texas A&M in late November, that's normally where the Florida game is. And A&M is normally this week. Uh, I think South Carolina would probably feel better about A&M coming in because the Aggies have sort of been struggling a little bit. But, you know, at the same time, you just kind of kind of look at it and, say, well, you know, A&M would probably come to town super motivated to win this football game. Um, they're going to get sky high for it because they need a win. Jimbo Fisher's good at that. Whereas Florida, you know, they're big old fo- – they've played two big, huge football games in a row, uh, Auburn and then LSU, and, and now they got to come up to South Carolina, you know, and they do need a win after getting beat last week, but they're a little beat up. And I just think that the, the you know, despite the fact Carolina beat Georgia last week, everything except the potential injuries and health of the South Carolina quarterbacks, you know, favors the Gamecocks in terms of the setup. A noon kickoff obviously is not what fans want. South Carolina in Williams-Brice Stadium is, is louder at night. But I'll tell you this, I'll take you back in time. The loudest noon kickoff I ever went to at Williams-Brice Stadium was in 2005. Call it the Spurrier Bowl, I guess. First time Spurrier faced his former team. I was there with my good friend, the late, great John Manning Vhorn. May he rest in peace. He left us in 2015. Um, but went down, drove down from Nashville, went to the game with Manning, and uh, it was one of the best victories I've ever seen. You know, South Carolina beat Florida 30-22. to Urban Meyer did not have his best coaching day. Steve Spurrier absolutely did. The Gamecocks only threw it 17 times. You know, Sidney Rice made a play in that game similar to Alshon Jeffries' play he made down the sideline against Bama late to kind of seal it. The Gamecocks won 30-22. That stadium was really loud. 
that day. Stadium was really loud uh, in 09 against Clemson, too, and that was a noon kickoff, but it's Clemson, and we all know that. The weather has been talked about a bit. Um, the forecasts have shifted. It's gone from like 90% chance of rain at kickoff to like the rain's not even going to hit South Carolina until later. I don't know. Bring your ponchos, <clears throat> your raincoats, all that good stuff uh, just in case. But uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of theories about who the rain favors. And, you know, some will tell you that, you know, and, and I, I kind of subscribe to this, that, that it favors the offense because the receivers know where they're going. Um, of course, that's hard to tell people now because the last monsoon last year against Missouri, clearly that favored South Carolina's defense. Uh, Sherrod Green with a pick six during that point in time and things like that. So I don't know. I, I think that Florida has a lot of skill, speed, talent, that they like they always do, and they've got really good athletes. I think they're probably a more athletic team than South Carolina um, and that always scares you because your, your defensive back could fall down. Uh, the linebackers could slip. Maybe they're slow on their footing, and all of a sudden the guy's gone. You know, and chances are he's not going to slip and fall down in the open field unless it's just terrible. So we'll see how that we'll, – we'll monitor the weather. I, I don't know that it's going to impact the game all that much. I, I think that uh, it, it's one of those things that, you know, both teams have to deal with the elements, and so – I don't, you know, I don't know that that's going to be uh, anything that causes any team to win or lose unless you have like a late play where there's a fumble or or something like that. Okay, so Florida, I've been kind of on the, I guess, the the bandwagon of Florida's a little overrated. Um, I thought that, you know, because of their school and their brand and the fact that, you know, Goodness gracious, nobody can ever win at Mississippi State, and Dan Mullen did, uh, which I don't think is true. I, you know, I know Joe Moorhead's kind of sinking a little bit this year down there, but Jackie Sherrill won at Mississippi State. Sylvester Croom had sort of a slow build into a good team his fourth or fifth year, and then the bottom fell out again. But, you know, they recruited well because they recruited their state, and they had a lot of players maybe people didn't hear, hadn't heard of because – not everybody's going to go trounce around the Mississippi junior colleges and the Mississippi high schools and, and scout players. Um, but they had a lot of talent at Mississippi State. You know, people say Dan Mullen can't recruit, and I don't know that even at Florida that his recruiting classes are going to pop off the screen. Um, but they evaluate well, and they get guys for their system, and he's a good quarterback's coach. And the job he did at Mississippi State was outstanding, but let's not act like he did it at Vanderbilt. You know, I don't know that, you know, James Franklin, if he went to Florida <laughs> for Vandy instead of Penn State, I mean, he may have a couple of national championships by now. I don't know if some of you don't like James Franklin, and that's fine. But, you know, he went from a situation at Vandy where he won nine back-to-back years, home to Penn State. Penn State was kind of reeling from a lot of issues, and he's turned them into a national contender, as they should be. Uh, every single year and I think he would have done the same thing at Florida um, you know I, and I think his job at Vandy was much more impressive than Mullen at Mississippi State what, what he turned Mississippi State into is essentially South Carolina um, you know they won seven to nine games every single year and went to bowl games and, and I think Mississippi State fans are happy about that um, 
And I think that, you know, don't take anything away from him. I think he's an excellent coach. But that was part of the narrative, you know. Um, Dan Mullen's some wizard, you know, and quite frankly, if he could win games with Felipe Franks at quarterback, he may very well be. Uh, so you kind of fast forward, but you, you look back last year, you know, this is a team in Florida that had a huge game against Georgia, um, you know, because they were right there in the mix. They had beaten LSU. Uh, everybody's t- forgotten about the Kentucky loss earlier in the year. They go to Jacksonville, and things just don't work out. <clears throat> you know, Florida was in it for a half, and then Georgia pulls away. Well, the next week they have a – I guess it was a noon kickoff at home against Missouri, who absolutely has owned them uh, since Missouri came in the SEC. Uh, and they lost about three touchdowns at home. So then you go to the next week when the Gamecocks come to town – and South Carolina has them on the ropes. Jake Bentley was playing really well. The offense was going up and down the field. Debo Samuel was outstanding. The Gamecocks were running the football 31-14. Uh, and then you see what happened. You know, the Gamecocks got up 17. They could not stop the run on defense. Florida out-physicaled them. Jordan Scarlett ran like a grown man in that game. So did Franks. He played really well. Uh, South Carolina's offense did not adjust. And Florida came back and won the football game in dramatic fashion, and that was just such a turning point, uh, I think, in, a, in the wrong direction for the Muschamp era because that started the Power 5 losing streak that the Gamecocks snapped against Kentucky. But Carolina, you know, hadn't had that kind of Power 5 losing streak since 97 to 99. So it's kind of a little unprecedented. Gamecocks just mounting up losses and after losses, and that hurt because if South Carolina holds on and wins that ball game, you know – I'm not saying they would have beaten Clemson because they couldn't stop Clemson, but South Carolina goes eight and four instead of seven and five and probably gets a better bowl game. They probably get whoever, probably maybe not NC State in the Gator Bowl, but maybe so. Uh, And then they're a nine win team, possibly, because maybe they get up for the Gator Bowl a little more than the Belt Bowl. And NC State certainly wasn't as good as Virginia. But um, at that point in the year, but you know, if it if if ifs and nuts were candy, well, I'm sorry. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, then we'd all have a merry Christmas. I need to get that right. I'm like. Bleh, 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 bleh. So anyway, that that game was tough. And uh, David Cloninger from the Post and Courier tweets today that Muschamp's been wearing a T-shirt around all week. This says, "I gave up 367 rushing yards to Florida." <laughs> So that hopefully gets the Gamecocks defense going. South Carolina's run defense has improved dramatically when you look at season over season. I think since game one, which was inexcusable um, to North Carolina, they gave up a slew of rushing yards to the Tar Heels. Uh, I think since game one, it's improved improved, um, as well as any any run defense in the country. Gamecocks, we're going to get the stats here in a little bit. When you kind of look at where Carolina ranks pretty highly statistically, you know, Carolina's 55th nationally in run defense, 144.7 yards per game. Uh, Florida's 27th. You know, they've been pretty salty against the run as well. Um, But those stats are a little skewed. You know, Tennessee got over 100 on them, scratched that out in a terrible performance in the swamp. Kentucky went for – if you take out sacks – and, and I think that's what's really got Florida's, you know, rushing total down 
because they do pressure the passer and they do get sacks and tackles for loss and things like that. Very athletic defense. Um, you know, you take those out. It was 101 against Tennessee. 151 is what they gave up against Kentucky. Uh, they gave up 221 uh, against the Tigers of LSU last weekend. I think around 180 against Auburn in the swamp. They didn't get many points against Auburn, but Auburn was able to run the football. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of a, a trademark of Todd Grantham's defense. When you're running the ball against his defense, uh, I've found it. I've watched him since he was at Georgia <clears throat> over the years and stuff. It's feast or famine. I've seen his defenses, especially when they play Auburn, when Georgia used to play Auburn during the Mark Rick era, which was one of the, one of the few teams Mark Rick really started to own during his latter years with the dogs, you know, you would see Georgia like win the game 13 to seven or 31 to seven, and they would go absolutely nowhere on the ground. And then there's some games where teams just line up and run right by them. And, you know, last year in the swamp, AJ Turner and Mon Denson did a good job of that. South Carolina had an excellent game plan for running the ball against that defense. Keep in mind too, Brian McClendon as an offensive coordinator is pretty familiar with Todd Grantham. They were on the same staff together at Georgia. You know, you, you got those matchups in practice. We, we saw during the 2014 South Carolina-Auburn game how that can be advantageous to an offensive coach when he's used to calling ball plays against uh, a guy he went up against in practice. Remember uh, Spurrier? Probably the last game Spurrier was really all in calling plays. Um against Auburn and Ellis Johnson and Gamecocks went up and down the field. They lost because they didn't have a defense, 42-35. But it was a, uh exciting night uh, down on the plains in terms of moving it. So, you know, I, I look at it and I kind of think South Carolina, you know, has a chance with the run game on Saturday. But back to last year, you know, that was tough. That kind of – that was a crossroads. Uh, you know, you look back on it and all of a sudden Florida – I mean, that was their first of ten straight wins – you know, they beat South Carolina. They beat Idaho. Go Vandals. I've actually been to Moscow, Idaho, folks. It's uh, it's interesting. It's about 12 miles from Washington State. And I was out at Washington State covering – when I was covering national recruiting, we, uh, we were go- going to the opening, but we flew into Seattle. And then we uh, – we, we rode out to Washington State for a day. It's about four hours out there. And then Moscow, Idaho is like 12 miles where the University of Idaho is. I mean, these two schools are very, very close. So we went out there, and I, you know, I like to check off states that I've been to. And so I can check off Idaho now and uh, went there, saw the, the dome they play in, which looks like a big, like a YMCA almost. A big, like, you know how the YMCA has the pools with the dome uh, cover on them and stuff? So saw that, but um, anyway, I, I kind of got off track right there, you know, talking about Idaho, but the Gators whipped them soundly, and they smartly went back to FCS, by the way. Uh, and then they played Florida State, and we all know Florida State was a dumpster fire last season, um, and I, I don't know that they're much above dumpster fire status this year. Uh, we'll see. They got a game against Wake Forest this weekend that I'm, I'm going to have my eye on a little bit because, you know, Wake is a better football team than Florida State. But if you're Florida State and you're having questions about your coach and you just got destroyed by Clemson, um, you don't want to lose to Wake Forest. They're still 
Wake Forest, you know. So that'll be interesting. So they, they beat Florida State. And then the Michigan game in the bowl, and I've said this before, I, I was living, you know, I was in Atlanta, and they went to the Peach Bowl. And Michigan, as we all know, <clears throat> had gone, you know, had themselves in position to get to the playoff, you know, and they got rocked by Ohio State, 62-39. to 39. So they lost the division. They lost any chance at a Big Ten title. Then they're in the Peach Bowl. Then a bunch of their players sat out the bowl because they're going to the NFL. Florida uh, had played Michigan a couple of times in the Citrus Bowl and then in an opener out in Dallas, and Michigan had whipped them soundly. So this was kind of a revenge game for a lot of those players. And the Gators did get the revenge and rolled. Um, and my point about being in Atlanta was that the day after the game, I, was, I went to the College Football Hall of Fame and just kind of look around, and there were a lot of Michigan fans there. They didn't even care. Their fans didn't even care. There were no long faces <laughs> from the Wolverine faithful. And uh, – so I don't know how much Michigan cared in that game. I, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know how much they cared in the Outback Bowl a couple of years ago, but if you're the Gamecocks, you'll take it. Um, and if you're the Gators, you'll take it. So then there's all this offseason hype. Florida's back. Florida Mullen, the mighty wizard of football, you know, coach of the universe, Dan Mullen. And, look, I'm not, again, I'm not knocking him. I think he's a heck of a coach. He may come in and out coach, the coach circles around Muschamp. Uh, on on Saturday, I think there are times when he squared off against Spurrier. Even though Spurrier won the game, you know Mullen did a great coaching job. Uh, I remember the fourteen to twelve game where Lattimore got hurt down in Starkville, and then a thirty, I think thirty four sixteen. Two years later in Columbia, you know Mississippi State turned it over a lot, but I thought they had a good game plan. So, you know. I'm not saying he's bad, but this is the narrative you got from the media. Oh, God, Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is a genius, and he will. no one can match his wits. And now that he's at the mighty Florida program where, you know, of course, all coaches succeed there, a grand total of two and 100-plus years of football. Um, oh, now they're back, and they're going to challenge the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't know if they could beat Georgia, who everybody thought was a super team. But... Um, Boy, that game, that, that's going to be everything at the cocktail party. Everything. And it still might be. I'm not saying they're wrong. So we go into the first game against Miami. I think we've all seen Miami's not a very good football team. Miami's offensive line was terrible in the week zero game. And it was, a, it was kind of a, just a, a bad game. But it was exciting, if that makes sense. And Florida showed guts and determination and, and beat the Canes 24-20 in the opener. Uh, then they got a cupcake, and then they go to Kentucky. And Kentucky is up on them 21-10 in the third. Probably should have won the game. I logged on to our Florida message board, um, Gator Bait, and, <laughs> and I look, and there's a gigantic – and, folks, if you're on thebigspur.com, which if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you are, it's nothing compared – like the, the game threads get out of control on the Big Spur sometimes – You've read nothing until you've read this. And I, and I wasn't being sadistic or making fun of them. I was just, like, sincerely curious as to what they thought. And it was just, you know, fellowship of the miserable. I mean, you could – they were like, well, we just have to accept that Dan Mullen will never be able to recruit. Now I got back to recruiting, which I thought was kind of stupid. So Felipe Franks gets hurt. 
And in comes Kyle Trask. And let me tell you about Kyle Trask. Uh, when McElwain recruited both these guys, I think it was, I think they were both in the same class. I was like, well, I'm not a, I don't know, you know, I'm I'm not a coach, but uh, Kyle Trask is a, throws a better football and looks more like what Jim McElwain would like at quarterback than Felipe Franks. Well, lo and behold, Franks wins the job, which I never understood. You're trying to run a pro style offense with Felipe Franks. And thus McElwain gets fired after uh, he gets unceremoniously dumped after a lie about death threats and, you know, stagnant offense. He just didn't do very much uh, on offense, and that's what he was hired for, and it rubbed some people the wrong way, et cetera, et cetera. So he got fired, and then Mullen comes in, and I'm like, well, Dan Mullen, when you're talking about Felipe Franks, I understand, you know, I'll give Mullen a pass in terms of starting Felipe Franks. Because uh, you got a guy that's 6'4", 240. We've all seen his ability to kind of run the power run. Um, and that's a big part of this offense is quarterback's power running. Look, it goes back to Tebow. Um, even Dak Prescott was a pretty good power runner. Those, some of those guys they had at Mississippi State could run. I mean, it was uh, – I mean, Nick Fitzgerald comes to mind. Um and uh, so I don't blame him for starting Franks. That's his offense. Uh, and as up and down as Felipe was at times, they had something going at the end of last year. So you go into this year, Felipe's resilient, and they beat them, and then Felipe gets hurt. Well, Trask comes in, and, and here, here's why this has worked. Because Kyle Trask is much more polished and skilled in the passing game than Franks. And he got him out of Texas. He's a taller kid. He ran a spread offense in, in high school where he was a backup. Um has tools, has a quick release, good feel for the game. And the strength of Florida's offense is the receivers. I mean, they've got ballers at receivers. You know, you got you got Grimes, uh, you got Jefferson out there. I mean, you've got guys. Uh, you know, um, Hammond is really, really good. Uh, Kendarius Tony was a guy that was really is, is a guy that's really I mean, they've got playmakers on the perimeter. And so Trash starts distributing the ball. And lo and behold, Florida comes back. Brilliant play call by Mullen on offense to do the reverse, to put it on ice, and they come back and beat Kentucky 29-21. So it was an episode sort of of survivor for the Gators. Well, then Tennessee's terrible, so they beat Tennessee. And then I think you have another cupcake in there. And then Auburn comes to town. I'm watching this football game a couple of weeks ago. Carolina was off, so I was watching it. And, I, you know, I, I thought Auburn would win the game because I, I thought Auburn up until that point had been pretty impressive. But Florida's defense just stifled, stymied Bo Nix. Remember me telling you about Todd Grantham and games against Auburn? Um, Auburn rushed the ball pretty well, couldn't get anything going. Key moments, they messed up. It was a turnover fest in the first half. And again, Florida made the plays that they had to do to win the game. So they go to LSU last weekend and lose 42-28. Obviously, LSU has decided to bring their offense into the 21st century with Brady as their passing game coordinator. And all credit to them. And Joe Burrow's having a great year. And they've got skill, talent, and they're good. Um, But Florida put points on the board uh, against an LSU defense now that's probably not statistically as dominant. Uh, as it once was. They're still very good, though. So Florida moved the ball against a good defense. So so I say all that to bring you here. That snapped the 10-game winning streak for the Gators. Uh, I say all that to say this. I I think 
the, the truth about Florida is somewhere in between. You know, they're not a team that, that you just go that, that I felt like could be a massive disappointment this year because I think they figured some things out with Trask. I, I like what they've been doing on defense for the most part. Who knows if uh, Zaniga and Gernard are going to play or whatever. They're two very talented ends, but they have players. You know, they have some guys behind them that can play and that are active and all that. I think you give Carolina's defensive line a lot of problems. Um, so, so I think I was wrong. I think I should have given them more credit. And I think sometimes a team that faces adversity but still wins, you know, sort of like South Carolina did against Georgia, um, I think that even though people these days, because we live in this you know world where it's I call it an Xbox world where you know things like the stats, advanced metrics, and things like that. People really like to hang their hat on those, and, and obviously, if you if you get outplayed, but you still win. And I don't. I, I'm not saying South Carolina didn't outplay Georgia. I think we'd be we'd be talking about Georgia getting outplayed and still winning if they'd have won the game. Um, you know, people still gripe because the stat the stats aren't pretty. It's not pretty. Well, sometimes football is not pretty. And Florida's wins over Miami and Kentucky were not pretty. They were like, a, like an episode of Survivor. <laughs> but they survived. And I think this team got very confident. Um, you know, you could tell against Auburn, they were very confident. The swamp was rocking. It was the swamp again. You know, it was like, hey, we're back. Uh, and give them credit for that. Give them credit for that. So, you know, I don't think I was right. But I also don't think that, you know, they're a top 10 football team, maybe a top 15, 20. I don't think they're a championship contender in the national sense or the SEC sense. I do think they're a championship contender in the division. Um, this is a football game. South Carolina needs to win every year uh, and or at least split, you know, and that's kind of how it's gone. Gators have won three of three of four in the series. South Carolina's five and four against Florida this decade. Um, Muschamp is one and two against the Gators. Twenty sixteen, they had no chance against that defense with the offensive line they had. Um, Twenty seventeen, kind of a, a rough start for Jake Bentley in that one, but he came back, played well. AJ Turner and Mon Denson, I think, ran for two hundred and twenty something yards combined. Uh, Florida had an interim coach in Randy Shannon anyway. Uh, Gamecocks won 28-20. And then last year, you know, pretty even football game and kind of a tale of, you know, three quarters and then one quarter. And um, that's tough. That was a tough game. That was a tough loss. But it's not like it used to be under Steve Spurrier where – you know, you're just shocked if the Gamecocks are even in the game at halftime. And I'm talking about Florida under Steve Spurrier. Or when Urban Meyer had his great teams and, you know, in 09, the Gamecocks played the Gators pretty tough. It was a 24-14 Florida win. But, you know, that was a game where a lot of people got some confidence, you know, heading into the Clemson game. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not like – I mean, those days are – we're not living in those days right now. I'm not saying Florida couldn't go on a run again. But we're not living in those days. Florida and South Carolina for 10 years have been pretty even, you know. Gators have won two divisions improbably. Gamecocks won one a long time ago. Um, They won them under McIlwain, which was just strange. Uh, 
you know, South Carolina sort of had to go through a re- reset, rebuild between Spurrier and, and, and then Will Muschamp. Uh, the Gators, Muschamp left McElwain a team that could win two divisions and then whatever happened in year three happened and then now they're on a new coach. Um, but the Gamecocks are five and four against Florida this decade. Um, and williams Bryce Stadium, the only win Florida has gotten since that 9 game is, was in 2015. Uh, against an interim coaching staff, and quite frankly, you know, I was actually at that game. Uh, I kind of like the Philadelphia Eagles-inspired helmets in that one, but quite frankly, you know, South Carolina sort of did what they did after getting behind and being dominated, and then they made some things happen offensively, pulled it within three, and then, you know, somebody, I think Scarlett took it to the house. 24-14 was the final in that one. But it was a competitive game. Um, Gamecocks had an interim coach. Of course, Muschamp defeated an interim coach in, in 2017. But uh, Carolina's been good against the Gators at Williams-Price. There's been some close games, but uh, they've been good. I mean, Muschamp brought two teams up to South Carolina, and both were five-point low score in ball games, 17-12 to 12 and 19-14. to 14. So... You know, and then twenty eight twenty a couple of so it hadn't been like Carolina's been able to blow the Gators out or anything. In fact the the biggest margin of victory was in twenty ten at the Swamp thirty six fourteen over Urban Myers last team. So so this is this is not you know, Florida obviously because they're in the state of Florida, they've won national championships, you know, they've they they've busted through their what I call the entry point long ago. Um it's always going to be a job that is looked at as superior to South Carolina. But a lot of people also um, think Tennessee is a superior job to South Carolina still. And, and, and when you're talking jobs versus state of the program, that's a different argument. I mean, Alabama, as great as they are, you know, if you take everything else off the table and just say, okay, you, you know, you're, who, who has more advantages built in, yeah, I don't know that you'd say Alabama was the best job uh, in the uh, Southeastern Conference. You know, I, I think it it probably is higher ranked now just because you can go in there and recruit off of who you are. Um, when you've had unprecedented success like that, you know, you can just say, oh, look, look who we are. Um, UCLA basketball is still recruiting off of that. So uh, – but, I, you know, there's certain programs that are just set up better. Um, and so I, I, I do think, you know, look, if I were ranking jobs, I would rank Florida above South Carolina. But the results, which is what matters, that's the bottom line, and I think people forget that, have told a different story. So, you know, we'll see. I, 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 don't, I don't think Florida's a lucky team. I think they've made their own luck this year. I think they've been good in clutch situations. I think Saturday that could play a factor. Um, I think the Gamecocks have not had a lot of clutch situations. You know, you, you talk about how the season goes. And, you know, that North Carolina game, obviously there were some clutch situations. They did not come through. But they had, you know, that that was really, besides Georgia, uh, a, a, the only game you could show some resiliency in because you got a 72-10 to 10 over CSU. Uh, the Bama game – you know, Carolina had its chances to stay in it, but then they didn't, ultimately. Uh, Missouri, 
close in the third quarter, but then after that pick six, it was over. Um, Kentucky on the opposite end was over. And then you got Georgia. Um, so I'm not saying Carolina isn't, but Florida has been tested, you know, this year. They are, you know, they've come through. and They've been tested by Kentucky just as much as they were tested by Auburn, just as much as they were tested by Miami or whoever. And when you, when you come through time and time again in the clutch, I mean, that, that's winning football. Um, again, we get caught up in stats and margin of victory and who almost beat who and whatever, but you're going to have games where you're not going to, you know, play your best or other teams going to have you on the ropes. And it's kind of not if that happens, it's how you respond and how you get out of there uh, and get a win. Um, I think that, you know, South Carolina found a way to win against Georgia, and I think that's going to be important. Uh in the game against the Gators, uh, you know, just like it's important for the Gators against the Gamecocks. I, I think that's good. Uh, I do think Kyle Trask is better than Felipe Franks, and I think this is a different football team when you have to de- de- defend uh, Trask versus Franks, and it all kind of starts on the perimeter. Um, South Carolina has improved with their perimeter tackling. You know, Georgia tried a little bit out there, and, and South Carolina was good. They shut them down. Um, the defensive line played well. I, you know, Florida will spread you out, but I still think South Carolina is going to have a lot of three but linebacker sets on the field. I don't expect them just to go nickel because I think this is working so well right now, and you can keep things in front of you and bottle up the run. You know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. I, I do think Will Muschamp will have a good game plan defensively to try to stop them. Uh, LaMichael P. Ryan, you have to stop him. Uh, he's a straw that stirs the drink. He's a running back for Florida. Uh, in addition to their receivers, he's good. You know, he can make you look silly. But if you bottle him up, you know, I, I think South Carolina could have some success. You know, Florida's offense, you know, they can throw the ball. Trask is good. But it starts with them establishing the run. And they, they run it, you know, kind of like Waffle House hash browns. There's a lot of different ways they can run the football, but it's still hash browns. So, you know, you, you got to stop the hash browns, so to speak. And if you can kind of bottle that up, keep Trask from hurting you with his legs, which he's known to do, um, although he's not the power runner that uh, Felipe Franks is, you know, you can take your chances with their passing game, but you have to be able to tackle on the perimeter. And South Carolina did a good job of that against Kentucky and Georgia. They need to continue. Um, and these guys are good. I mean, these guys at wide receiver besides, you know, you got Lynn Bowden. Um, I thought George Pickens played a good game for Georgia. But, you know, Florida has more guys. They have veteran guys. You know, they can make things happen out there. And you, you get, you know, it can confuse you. Their offense can confuse you. So that's a big key, you know, for the Gamecocks on defense. I think offensively, you know, you look at uh, Ryan Holinsky. And his health, that's going to be the topic of conversation, uh, I think, from now until the cows come home <laughs> before this game. But um, I think that uh, you look at Helensky and if, if he's ready to go, like they say he is, and he starts and he's on target, you know, I, I think South Carolina can make some things happen. I still believe the Gamecocks have to run the ball. But, you know, they did. They had to do that last year with Bentley uh, in the swamp. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's the nature of this defense with Todd Grantham is if you, if you get one-dimensional, 
and start chunking it all over the yard, um, I think that um, it can be bad for you, even with their defensive ends out. If they don't play, and I, I don't think Zaniga's going to play. The other one, maybe. Um, I, you know, it, it's still he sends exotic pressures. That can be tough for a young quarterback and also uh, for a young offensive tackle uh, in uh, Jalen Nichols. And, you know, Sedarius Hutcherson's going into his seventh game starting at left tackle. So, you know, and then the other offensive linemen are young except Stan- Stanley. So, you know, this is a different kind of look. I mean, and, and I think that when you look at kind of what he did, they did it with Miami where they had 10 sacks and Jaron Williams was running for his life. I don't expect that kind of dominance, but I do believe that when you kind of um, look at it, that's a concern, uh, you know, in terms of schematically how they match up, you know, and, and, and so you have to be able to establish the run and back them off a little bit. The game guys are going to have to protect and open holes and, and all that good stuff. But if Alinsky's on, you know, uh, and look, the RPOs, I know Grantham adjusted, and he'll probably try to do some, something like that if the RPOs start working. But you can use those selectively against this team uh, and I think have success. They're very talented and athletic in the secondary. You know, so South Carolina is going to have to counter that with Brian Edwards having a good game. I'm sure they're going to try to shut him down. You know, Shai Smith needs to have a big game for the Gamecocks. He's had pretty good games against the Gators the last two years. Uh, I think that, you know, the tight ends, Nick Muse and Kyle Markaway, can be very useful uh, in this contest. Tavian Feaster catching passes out of the backfield, dare I say. Uh, and, you know, maybe some other receiver will step up. Josh Van, um, Chavis Dawkins has pl- been playing well, even though you don't see it in the stat sheet. He kind of uh, has been really good at blocking and doing his job out there. You know, maybe we see Xavier Leggett. But, you know, I, we'll see kind of what happens uh, with all that. I, I do think that if Helensky's on and you can run the ball, you're going to have to run the ball regardless. But if Helensky's on target, you know, that gives South Carolina's offense, I think, a lot of options to counter what will be a defense that will be designed and executed to confuse, disrupt, and make big plays against a young quarterback. I mean, it's a, it's a nightmare <laughs> in terms of being a young quarterback and playing this type of defense. But Gamecocks got the game at home. That always helps the offense there. Uh, Rico Dowdle, can't say enough good about him and his start to the season or his first half of the season he's playing really well just looks like a different ball player um and he hadn't played against the gators the last couple of years he did play a couple of plays in the swamp and actually scored a touchdown on an option play but uh he hadn't played uh you know it's been denson and turner the last two years against these guys um so i'm curious to see how rico does tavian feaster as well if those guys are rolling and, and they're real, and Carolina's able to run it, I mean, look, man, that's that's going to open up a lot. Uh, and it keeps Florida's offense off the field and Carolina's defense on the bench resting and, and all that good stuff. Rolling up some stats, and then we'll get to the preview of the game. Or the, I'm sorry, the preview. This is the preview of the game. This is the final word. Uh, before I get to the stats, I do want to mention that if you're in the Atlanta area and you're not making it over to Columbia Saturday, go out to Dive Bar in Buckhead. My good friend Zach, Gamecock, owns that place. They have the watch parties each and every Saturday. Um, head on out. It's a blast. 
people are going to be there. Um, it's it's just a really fun time. I know it's a noon game. You can go in there and uh, take advantage of their drink specials like Bloody Marys. They have good deals on Bloody Marys. They have a char- it's called a Charleston Pepper Bloody Mary. Um, so if you're from South Carolina, you're living in Atlanta, you maybe want a little taste of home, head on out to Dive Bar and Buckhead. I want to thank Flowers Furniture in Darlington, South Carolina, sponsor of mine for this football season. Uh, head on over to Flowers Furniture. they got free local delivery, great deals on dinette sets, mattresses, and they have quality mattresses, not the stuff like you see in the big box stores these days. They're still quality mattresses. Um, Gamecock owned and operated Flowers Furniture in Darlington. And finally, if you're hungry and you're in the Charlotte area and want to pick up a tailgate package before tomorrow, uh, head to Nana's Porch. Uh, Nana's Porch is a catering organization, and they do everything from small tailgates to weddings to big corporate events. They'll come to you. No gig is too big. Uh, And then they do smaller stuff, too, like they'll prepare a tailgate package for you. Come by there, scoop it up, head down I-77, and you're done. Um, It's Nana's Porch, Nana's Porch, nanasportclt.com, nanasportclt.com. Again, a Gamecock-owned and operated business. Check those guys out. And if you're not a member of thebigspur.com, take advantage of some of our VIP specials. You can join now, I think, for a dollar. And get the latest from myself, from Tony Morell, who's on this podcast every week as my co-host, uh, from John Whittle, from Hale McGranahan, John Del Bianco, Kerry Rich, a team of South Carolina Athletics Insiders and the best message board on the 24-7 Sports Network and probably the best message board in all of sports, I would have to say. So if you're not on, get on. Uh, the VIP membership will give you uh, access to our board where you can come in and interact and read all the posts. If you get an annual membership, you get all access VIP, which means you can read everybody else's message board too. We got huge active message boards for Georgia, North Carolina, Florida, uh, Tennessee, uh, Alabama, Auburn, every team in the SEC that you care about. You can kind of go to their board and read it if you join for a year. So check out thebigspur.com, the 24-7 Sports Network, and this is a 24-7 Sports Podcast. One more plug, J.C. and Morgan, college football podcast. Myself and Mike Morgan, who used to be the voice of the Gamecocks, now works for ESPN. We do a twice-weekly during the season college football podcast where we preview this game and others. The J.C. and Morgan college football podcast, if you're looking for something that is uh, not just Gamecock-oriented, but uh, a big, broad picture with myself and Mike Morgan. I know Mike Morgan's got a lot of fans in the Gamecock nation. All right, stat breakdown here. So total defense, Florida's 20th, Carolina's 77th. Florida's giving up 309 yards per game, Carolina 403.7. Uh, total offense, Florida's 51st at 429 yards per game. Gamecocks are 71st at 409.8. Rushing defense, Florida is 27th, 110.9 yards per game. But I gave you the stats against SEC teams, and that number is a little bit higher. Um, Gamecocks are 55th, 144.7. I think the run defense has dramatically improved, and that's going to be a key to the game, as I mentioned earlier, if the Gamecocks are going to have success against the Gators. This is a, a, an offense in Florida that can throw the ball, um, and they like to throw the ball. But fundamentally, it's an offense that you have to shut the run down. Um, And if you do that, you can make things very difficult on them. 
Uh, passing offense, Florida is 27th nationally, 288.3 per game. Gamecocks 83rd, 216.3 per game. Rushing offense, Florida is 93rd, 140.7 yards per game on the ground. Carolina's 40th, 193.5. Gamecocks did go for 490, I think, against Charleston Southern. Uh, But, look, Carolina's rushing offense is another thing that's improved. I mean, I mentioned Rico Dowdle earlier. I think Rico Dowdle is a big key. If you can get if you can get Rico Dowdle rolling and they have trouble stopping him and he can go for a buck twenty or something on Saturday and Feaster can add some yards and uh, it's 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 going to be a good day for the Gamecocks. Pass defense. This is passing yards allowed. Florida's thirty third, hundred ninety nine a game. Gamecocks ninety eighth, two hundred fifty nine a game. Of course, the Gamecocks did play Alabama and. Um, yeah, before Florida played LSU, so LSU's pretty good passing offense. But I, I think the Gators are again pretty skilled in the secondary. They got a good active bunch. You know, Halinski's going to have to be careful throwing the ball on Saturday. All right, my prediction. Now, I've been saying South Carolina should win this game all summer, and I'm not coming off of it. You know, it, it would, even if the Gamecocks had lost and they're heading into this one two and four. You know, I, I felt like during the bye week, I thought about this, and I, I felt like this game is massively important because if you lose to Georgia, you know, and then you come in and you play Florida, that could turn your season around. Or if you're two and five heading to Knoxville, and we've seen signs of life, and I knew Tennessee would eventually show some signs of life. Um, that's a lot of pressure for a road game against a team that always plays you close and you always play them close and in a place where it's been like pulling teeth getting a win over the years. Uh, and at that point, I think that things just kind of melt. You know, if you lost to Georgia, then lose to Florida. So I thought this game was Titanic win or lose. Well, now you kind of flip it around. And because of the win and the loss by Georgia and, and the questions about Missouri and, you know, will they be eligible to even win the division – South Carolina wins this game, they're right back in the division hunt. You win this game, you go take care of business against Tennessee. I have no doubt that they will beat Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt's by far the worst team in the league this year, and it's at williams Bryce. You know, you're 5-2 and two until you play at A&M. 5-2 in the league. Now, you need Georgia to lose another one. You know, you, you need Missouri to not be eligible or to lose three, which I don't know that that's going to happen. You Almost got to pull for Chad Morris in Arkansas to pull the Titanic upset. Uh, I don't think ten- Tennessee has just gotten the doors blown off of them by Missouri the last couple of years and all that. But uh, we can talk about Missouri when the appeal comes out if they are eligible. But, you know, South Carolina, if they win this football game, has a legitimate path to get to Atlanta. And I don't, I don't know that any of us, even the most optimistic among us, would have predicted that after the 1-3 start. And uh, I've said it before, I think that the next step, if you're looking at a step, because uh, Muschamp has had winning seasons and gone to bowls, outside of getting the signature win over a ranked opponent or whatever, which happened last week, you know, they obviously need more of those. Uh, I think the next step is contending for the division every year and then winning one and getting to Atlanta. And then once you start getting to Atlanta and you're a contender in the division every year, you know, anything can happen. You know, the playoff may expand. You know, you can get into that. You know, one-game deal, you can win a championship. I mean, this program, you know, used to be 
before the turn of the century, bowl trophy light. I mean, guys, there was there were two trophies in the trophy case for team accomplishments. One was a CarQuest Bowl victory in 1995. It was the 94 season, but it was decent January 1st, 95. And one was, um, you know, uh, the 1969 ACC championship team, which will be honored this weekend. Uh, and that was a different era of football. So, it, it, you know, there hadn't been much in the trophy case before the turn of the, the century. Well, that changed. You know, you, you got more bowl trophies in the trophy case now. You got eight of them, eight more of them to be exact, thanks to Lou Holtz and Steve Spurrier and Will Muschamp. Uh, you know, so that's that's not, you know, you got trophies there. You did get an SEC East trophy. But... You know, the bowl trophies are one thing, and it's nice to have them. It's better to have them than not because it's pathetic to look at your trophy case and just see a CarQuest Bowl trophy sitting in there, I think. Um, but, you know, you need divisions, you know, trophies, and you need uh, conference trophies, and you need, you know, maybe some bigger bowl trophies like the Sugar Bowl or something. And, you know, you, you know there, there's more to accomplish when you're talking about South Carolina and the good news is, is that, you know, they're not in the hole that maybe they used to be, where you look at it and go, my God, this program has not done very much at all in terms of meaningful accomplishments. And I, I think that, um, you know, that's, that's whoever replaced Steve Spurrier, th- that was going to have to be what happened. You know, you, you do have a building period, but then after that, you know, you want to you accomplish things that, that hadn't been done. And Spurrier, to his credit, you know, made that a goal of his, and he did. Now, let me just say this. You know, there were, as far as the championship trophies I'm talking about, they were, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, even 2014, they were in the mix, and they just didn't get it done. Um, I don't know that you just, you know, you tell Will Muschamp division title or bust this year. I think that, you know, get in, get in, get in the mix. Get in the mix. Carolina was in the mix in 2000. Uh, had they gone to Florida and won, and they were up 21-3 to against Spurrier, <laughs> lost 41-21, Lou Holtz would have taken the Gamecocks to Atlanta. And Spurrier's first year, you know, a two-point loss at Georgia ended up costing them the division. You know, and then we talked about 2011 through 14. So there's been periods where Carolina has contended. Um, they haven't contended that often. Under Muschamp. 2017, you pull a Titanic upset over Georgia. That was Georgia's year. Maybe, you know, things work out. You do that. But, you know, this year, uh, I think that you win, you beat Florida, you definitely have an opportunity to really be in the mix, to really be in the mix. And I don't know that South Carolina, if they get to Atlanta, if they have to play Bama again or they match up against LSU or Auburn goes on a tear, I don't know how they match up against those teams. But you always want to be there. You know, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Championship Saturday, whoever you're playing in the national championship hunt. You know, you got Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson calling. I mean, that's a great opportunity. And, And if you do that, that's two division titles in the decade. And I'll tell you this, there has never been a team, it hasn't been a team since Florida from 92 to 96 that's won more than two straight division titles. So I think if the Gamecocks win it, if my math is correct, 
No, my math is not correct because Georgia's won it more than twice. So my math is not correct. But, you know, Florida's won it, I think, twice this decade. Missouri's won it twice this decade. South Carolina's won it once. And then I think Georgia's probably four times. Yeah, because Georgia went in 2011 and 2012 and then took a break. So, yeah, Georgia's won it four. But still, you know, you get to two with those other guys. I guess everybody's still chasing the Bulldogs, so you, you definitely want to do that. So I'm not backing off that I think South Carolina will win this game. Uh, even if they were sitting there at 2-5, and five, I would predict the Gamecocks – or 2-4, and four, I'd predict the Gamecocks to win. Yeah, they lost to Kentucky a couple weeks ago, maybe not. Um, I think things would be a lot different than that happened. But uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. I think South Carolina wins the football game. I think it'll be 24-17. to 17. I hate making score predictions. I think it'll be a close game. I think South Carolina will be able to establish the run. I think Kalinsky will make some timely passes, and I think the defense is going to play pretty good. And I think that being at home helps. I think in the swamp, I may go a different direction, but I would have felt differently about it, you know, from the get-go. So I'm not going to come off of it just because Florida's better than I anticipated. I still think the Gamecocks will win. That'll make Carolina 6-4 and four against the Mighty Gators this decade. And I think Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, that would that would mean that – well, I mean, it's going to mean that anyway. South Carolina will not have a losing record against any of those teams this decade because they're 6-3 and three against Tennessee, 5-5 five and five against Georgia, 5-4 and four against the Gators. But it would give them winning records against Tennessee and Florida this decade. And quite frankly, I think that's warranted. South Carolina has been very competitive with those teams and – better in a lot of years than those teams this year. So it's an important game um, for a number of reasons. You know, I talked about the big picture. I talked about uh, the small picture, the, 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 the distant future and the near future with all of this. So once again, South Carolina 24, Florida 17. Thanks for listening to the final word. I'm going to be back next week. Look for more podcasts on the inside the game podcast starting next week. Um, more of a, I don't want to say daily, but more frequent. You know, we, we kind of do two now, kind of maybe going to expand that a little bit. Um, so look for that as we continue to try to get this new podcast, my new Gamecock podcasting home, more and more listeners. Spread the word. If you want to, go to the iTunes store or Apple store and rate us. And uh, for those of you that rated it one star, uh, I don't know who you are. Hopefully you're listening, but uh Let's just say that, uh, whatever, <laughs> I'm not going to get sensitive about you rating things, but, uh, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, there's a little hater posse out there that, uh, decided to do that, but that's fine. That's fine. It's all in good fun. All right, folks, enjoy the game tomorrow. Get up early, have you a Hardy's biscuit or whatever, and go tailgate your butts off. Um, if not, you know, if you're in Atlanta, go to dive bar. If you're anywhere else, I hope you're amongst friends when you're watching the Gators and the Gamecocks renew what's been a pretty good series over the years. All right, I'm J.C. Sherbert. This has been the final word on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and we'll holla at you soon.